And welcome to Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And Bill Newman, there is a, well, I think disturbing is a fair characterization of the headline above the fold in uh, today's Daily Hampshire Gazette. Uh, the headline is Rolling Bottles Up Liquor License. State Alcohol Commission voids award to new iron horse owners over the sure tax issue. The, um, this is, it's a complicated story, but not a complicated story. The bottom line is the Department of Revenue issues certificates of good standing uh, when there's going to be transactions, in this case involving commercial entities such as the Iron Horse, to uh, the parlor room, a not-for-profit organization. Um, And the uh, certificate of good standing says, well, you paid all your taxes and otherwise are in good standing. Eric Shore failed or refused to produce that for uh, Northampton's uh, city uh, license commission. And as a result, they stripped him of the right to continue being the holder of the liquor license uh, at the Iron Horse, I think at the Calvin as well, and um, a transaction ensued. The transaction was that the uh, owners of the parlor room um, purchased the Iron Horse Music Hall on Center Street, um, and uh, obviously they believed they were going to get a liquor license out of it. We actually have had scheduled Natasha Yakovlev. She is the chair of the City Licensing and uh, Commission, and um, she she's scheduled for Wednesday to come on. And we thought we were going to talk about also the gumbo situation where uh, a restaurateur was not able to procure a liquor license. Well, what just happened is the the ABCC, the Alcoholic Beverage um, Commission, the State Commission, um, voided the award to the new Iron Horse owners of a liquor license. Obviously, a critical part of the uh, requirement of running a restaurant is having a liquor license when you're also a, um, a performance venue. Um, they voided that on the basis that still Eric Shore couldn't produce a certificate of good standing and that not having a certificate of good standing impedes the ability to transfer the license along with the property. Um, this is a mess, Bill. Well, it's really a mess, and it's, I think, potentially very serious for the future of Northampton and downtown Northampton. Let's talk about the mess for a minute. First, uh, the ABCC said, apparently, that because the parlor room, and this is from the Gazette story today, because the parlor room had entered into an official agreement with Sewer to purchase the Iron Horse from him, including the liquor license, the certificate, that is the certificate of good standing, was still necessary even with the commission having granted the Iron, the iron Horse uh, a different license. Could we please ask the ABCC, the Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission, the state agency, to exercise some common sense? There is a license that was given. Uh, there is a valid license that the Iron Horse could have. Um, I don't know why the ABC is so impressed with its own rules. They can ignore common sense and rationality and let them have a license. I don't really care which license. I don't sure the city cares a lot which license, but there are two licenses, both of which the Iron Horse could have, neither of which the ABCC will allow this, the, the community to have. And 
it's not at all clear that Eric Schur is getting any money uh, from the from the transfer here regarding the license. But uh, I think we could take to heart that he doesn't have and will not produce a certificate of good standing. So I'm not sure what the city can do to make him pay up. Uh, but if that doesn't do the trick and the city can't make Eric Schur pay the money to back taxes, if that's what it is, to get the certificate of good standing, then the city has got to work out something with the ABCC. It is not acceptable to have a performance venue, the Iron Horse, and not have a liquor license. It's crucial. And I don't understand, frankly, how all of this could have gotten to this point with the city licensing commission not knowing that there was a problem. The ABC calling up and saying, oh, by the way, your plans that involve hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, uh, a lot of planning and the hopes of the city uh, for revitalization of downtown. Well, forget it because there's an I that is not dotted, a T that is not crossed, and some taxes that are not paid by a former owner who doesn't have this license anymore. I mean, someone has got to be able to cut through this Gordian knot. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with every syllable that you just uttered, but I, I, I did have an experience involving this requirement of a certificate in good standing, a demonstration that taxes have been paid this, uh, about, I think, in the 90s. And here's the theory. The theory is um, if you have a recalcitrant owner who hasn't been paying his taxes, that owner should not be having a liquor license while still being delinquent on their uh, taxes. Well, in order to incentivize uh, clearing up your tax uh, debt, um, you're not even going to be able to sell your place your establishment, unless you clear up your tax debt so that you can obtain a certificate of good standing, all of which kind of makes sense. We, you know, we know that if you're going to be a recalcitrant owner, we've got to incentivize you coming uh, clean and paying what you owe because you can't even sell it. It's not just that you're, you can't run it. You can't even sell it. Why couldn't you be able to sell it and then use some of the proceeds to pay the back taxes? Why can't the, you sell it with the uh, agreement that the new owner will pay the back taxes and make that part of the purchase and sale and the price that's being paid. Th- that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to say, no, we're going to make sure we're going to stand in the way as much as we can. We're not going to let you resolve the tax problem and we're not going to let you sell it to a new owner. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and you're right. In a residential setting, they have a municipal lien certificate. You have to produce it, show that, you know, and you could pay, you could cure your tax burden um, prior to the sale, but that's going to require some money. Nobody wants to buy it while there's still a tax burden attached to the property, or in this case, you know, impeding a liquor license. But, but And you say it's a matter of common sense, Bill. You'd be great on the commission, and I would, you got my vote, um, because you'd bring common sense to it. But what really bothers me is that the ABCC is just uh, blind and deaf to the importance of a venue to the community. It's it's not just a liquor license. It is part of the vibrant, you said, downtown. It's part of the vibrant um, performing arts scene that this community integrates into its very character. And the Iron Horse is such a treasure. And this is a wonderful group. This is a not-for-profit group that wants to revitalize it, clean it up. All of which is being done at this time as we speak. A lot of money has gone into it. In, in terms of how bad this is... Let me quote from the Gazette today. It's pretty awful news and really just distressing, Yakova said. She's the chair of the commission. Quote, the investment that the entire team has made in moving this forward, I don't even have a word for it. 
To say that this is a disappointment for them is a massive understatement. Helen Kahn, another member of the commission, criticized Schur for being unable to produce the certificate for the Iron Horse. Quote, what's it going to take? Kahn said. I don't know if this is about paying taxes. I don't know if it's really about filing paperwork. But all of Northampton, all of Northampton would like this to be resolved and the air and as well as the areas beyond Northampton and all the restaurants who are waiting for their liquor license. Get this. Sure, who attended the virtual meeting, did not respond to Khan. That's especially troubling because, sure, it looks like he's lined up to sell the Calvin Theater, another one of his properties, to the Bowery um, Presents, which is a music venue operator from New York City, also has a liquor license. Yes, and it's crucial for them as well. Uh, The next sentence, by the way, uh, uh, earlier in the meeting, Sure mentioned that it would be quite some time for him to acquire a certificate of good standing for the Calvin Theater. The Bowery presents this that's the music venue operator in New York obviously needs that in order to reopen the Calvin as well. Uh, the, it's the parlor room, of course, that had purchased the uh, Iron Horse. It's a cooperative. And it is a, and, and a nonprofit. Um, and one more factoid here. Chris Freeman, the executive director of the parlor room, said that the nonprofit, that's the Parlor Room and the, and the Iron Horse now as well, incorporated as part of the Parlor Room, planned to make a legal argument to the ABCC challenging the ruling, expressing confidence that the issue could be resolved before the man, planned May 1st opening. They want to open. Come on, guys. Get this done. This is bureaucracy. I, I, I say this tongue-in-cheek. It's almost enough to make you a Republican. <laughs> we want it to open. So many people want it to open. But, Bill, and I, I want to be really careful here. I mean, it's, it's, let, it's, 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 I understand. The ABCC is well-intentioned. Stop doing stupid stuff. There is a shadow over this conversation, and I'm going to be very careful because I don't – I'm going to talk about what I don't know, not what I know. What I've been mystified by, what many people are mystified by, is Eric Short. His, he, he purchases properties, he holds on to them, he doesn't use them, they sit vacant. And I always assumed that at least the taxes are being paid that are owed on these properties. This um, situation in which he can't obtain a certificate of good standing, he owns all these properties and he can't pay the taxes that are owed on these properties in order to clear up this licensure problem. It's just mystifying to me why he, 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 he just got paid almost $3 million for the old church that is now going to be the uh, resilience center uh, up on the uh, upper part of Main Street. Uh, so that was payment. And he didn't owe much of anything, if anything, on that building. He has a lot of money. Make him get the certificate of good standing. If it's a tax problem, someone should go after him and get the money. And in the meantime, the ABCC should grant the license and work with Northampton to get these licenses out. It's not like Northampton is having more or distributing more licenses than it has. It's not that Northampton is acting in good, not in good faith. It is acting in good faith. The city is doing everything as far as it knows in the correct way. And the ABCC should not stand in the way of Northampton doing what's right and using the licenses that they exist. The licenses are here for crying out loud. I'm hoping that the purchase and sale agreement for these properties, I'm hoping that there's a requirement that the seller act in good faith and uh, provide a uh, property and a license that's 
transferable to the buyers who are acting in good faith. Well, yeah, we also don't want a lawsuit that's going to go on for the next uh, God knows how long while this gets sorted out. The ABCC should work with the city. The city does not is not distributing too many licenses. The licenses are there. This is a if this is a question of back taxes. It'll, they'll get paid. Someone can put the money in escrow. Someone can try to grab the money and uh, get some sort of a lien on uh, or, or claim on bank accounts if need be. If this is a matter of money, then the that's a solvable problem. In the meantime, the licenses should be given. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We are back, and I want to find out from Mr. Eisenberg what is happening in Greenfield with this police department. Major announcements of shakeups in the department at the very top. This is a department that has been roiled with controversy over the past months uh, involving, among other things, a verdict from a Hampshire County jury. That's where the case was was tried uh, that involves uh, after adding in prejudgment and postjudgment interest in attorney's fees for the civil rights lawyers who litigated the case over a million dollar judgment against the Police Department in Greenfield for discriminating in promote and failing to make a promotion uh, and promoting the uh, one black officer on the force. In addition to that, there was a time when the police department could not cover its midnight shift and had to turn to the state police to ask for coverage for police coverage in Greenfield uh, during the uh, early morning hours. Uh, and it goes on and on from there. Uh, there has been major there has been major developments with regard to the Greenfield Police Department this week. Buzz Eisenberg, bring us up to date. Well, it just goes on and on, Bill. Um, the, as we may recall, what happened is just on the eve of the election, which was the first Tuesday in November, uh, the then Mayor Roxanne Wiedergartner um, negotiated a, uh, a memorandum of understanding with the police chief and the deputy police chief, the police chief being Robert Haig, the deputy uh, being William Gordon, um, that resulted in uh, incentivizing um, education and other matters that, that amounted to a 25% pay increase for the deputy, a 20% salary increase for the police chief, bringing them up in the, the 170 dollars to $190,000 Range and it was to take effect at the beginning of this year, 2024. This was negotiated by the mayor who was standing for election in a contested election days afterwards. Right. And what, and what Mayor Wiedergartner will say is, I was the mayor. I had the responsibility for uh, being the chief executive officer of the city. The contract was expiring. It was therefore not only my uh, uh, ob- my duty, it was my civic obligation to renegotiate the contract because the city needs and deserves a police chief. And with regard to the money, which is a separate uh, consideration, I believe, uh, she said uh, that the chief and the deputy chief should get the same incentives, uh, that is the same additions to their salary as other members of the department uh, and 
That, of course, was highly controversial when it came to light because, well, among other things, the city council was not consulted on it. Uh, the city council ultimately has the ability uh, to uh, appropriate the money for the extra money, extra compensation. Uh, that's within their discretion. Uh, in any event, uh, the city council later said, uh, we're not appropriating that money. That's not going to happen. This past uh, Wednesday, a unanimous no. And then the police chief, Robert Haig, uh, resigned. He resigned before that. He resigned Friday of last week. This The city council's unanimous no was Wednesday of this week. And he uh, what is, was characterized by one observer as his letter left swinging. He condemned the new mayor. He condemned the councilor. He um, said that he was being prevented from providing all the services that he wanted to provide to the town of Greenfield. It was an angry departure um, by that chief. Since then, there was a very short window in which his deputy, uh, Gordon, who also a beneficiary of that, uh, oh, by the way, I stand corrected, it was 147 and 171,000 respectively that they would be garnering under the new memorandum of understanding. But Gordon held on to the acting police chief job for five days. And uh, yesterday, um, Lieutenant, former Lieutenant Todd Dodge became the acting chief, and he will be applying, I understand, as the full-time chief. But uh, do you see any lessons here beyond Greenfield? I mean, there's some take-homes here for other communities looking at the turmoil that Greenfield and its police department has gone through, or is this simply uh, singular to that city? Well, big picture. Um, it, it's really a great question. There are so many takeaways. There are too many takeaways to just enumerate right now. But let's, let's start with a little one. A little one is there is a state statute that says that an outgoing city official may not bind a successor. That could be not just an official. It could be a city council. It could be... Uh, legislator, legislature you can't, cannot bind um, its successor if the successor if it's something the successor should have um, the ability to review. The, that was a legal opinion that Mayor Desorger, Ginny Desorger, the new mayor of Greenfield since January second, um, relied on in saying, "I don't. I think that this is avoidable uh, memorandum of understanding, but I will ask the city council if they wish to fund it." So she still put it forward. I guess she got a standing ovation for that. Yeah, well, there was position. zero chance that the city council was going to fund it. It was a major issue in this campaign uh, that uh, the former mayor, Roxanne Wiedegardner, uh, had uh, responsibility for the issues and problems of the police department uh, and was roundly criticized during the campaign and to sort of use this issue that uh, Wiedegardner had not uh, either apologized or taken responsibility for the actions which led to a verdict that now totals over a million dollars. Now, it's true that the insurance company is running the litigation. The insurance company is going to pay uh, the judgment if it stands on appeal, uh, but it was a major issue here. So, Well, it, I just want to point to another major issue here because a frequent uh, commentator here on Talk to Talk is Dusty Christensen. Dusty Christensen just wrote an article in which there were new disclosures, which was published in the shoestring, um, I think yesterday, Wednesday. Um, and here's what we've learned. Mayor Wiedergartner was going to fund those increases with ARPA funds, with COVID relief funds. 
Now, whether or not it's legal to do that is another question, but Mayor DeSorger has just come down really heavily talking about how inappropriate it was. And Mayor Wiedergartner was asked by Dusty Christensen, and she said that it's, um, it's not inappropriate, that public safety is a category under which ARPA is distributed. This is public safety, so using ARPA funds to fund these, um, these, uh, th- these raises. Putting aside the fact that the police chief had become a lightning rod, for a variety of reasons, the ones which you led with, Bill, um, both the verdict and the charge of discriminatory practices with, under him, and the uh, fact that he was leaving the city uh, unpoliced for one-third of the hours, the, the overnight hours when people feel the most vulnerable at times. Um, and here we were giving him a raise, and we're going to take ARPA funds and claim they were intended for public safety. What do you think about that? Well, I think it sounds to me like she's technically right. Uh, the offer funds can be used for public safety. This is paying for a salary for the head of public safety in the community, and that sounds to me, I'm subject to someone who knows more about the uh, uh, regulations that govern ARPA, uh, sounds to me like uh, she's technically right and she could use it for that, and she was looking for money to fund these increases in the salaries for the chief and the deputy chief, and that she could do it. Now, whether or not that meets the spirit of ARPA, uh, that's a different story, of course, but uh, technically, I... I, I I don't see uh, why she couldn't, uh, whether or not the uh, uh, residents of Greenfield would think that was an appropriate use of their ARPA money. Again, I say that's, that's, a, very the issue. that's it, a very different story. It's the same thing we were just talking about with the ABCC, the Alcohol Beverage um, Commission. It, it, it's just blind policy when you ignore what obviously – the majority of the people in Greenfield did not want to give raises to this department, uh, the leaders of this department. It, it, it was just really obvious. They didn't even want to fund the department. I mean, a, a they lot cut. of it. They're, I mean, they're city councilors who came from their neighborhoods. Those those councilors are from the precincts in Greenfield, and they had voted to cut. There was even an argument about, you know, completely defund the police kind of argument uh, floating around Greenfield. So it was really which blind I, which, to what the which, people which, wanted. Which I think makes zero sense. Um, well, it does, but I'm just saying that's how much passion uh, was involved in please don't give raises to our police. That's what I think was going on. Well, I, the, the other part of this, of course, is that, uh, and I don't, I have not read the legal memorandum, so I don't know what the uh, uh, analysis is, but at the time that the former mayor uh, Roxanne Wiedergartner entered into this memorandum of understanding with the chief and the deputy chief. She was the mayor and she was running for re-election and the election had not yet happened. And uh, at the time that it was signed, uh, you would have been hard-pressed to find someone to say, oh yes, there's going to be an enormous uh, public vote against the current mayor. That was not uh, something that was a uh, common understanding. So to say that it was clear that she was a uh, caretaker at that point, I, I don't, that's not self-evident to me, but I haven't read the legal opinion. Well, we could go, we could go around about this, but it was sure clear that the city councilors, and usually I, I think the city councilors, they're the ones who, you know, we're talking to people in their neighborhoods and, and there's, you know, there's 20,000 people in, in Greenfield. You can't know every one of them, but the, there's 13 precincts. And I think, uh, Mayor Wiedergartner had been an openly 
in contest after contest with the, the counselors, and they were exorcised about the uh, police and this uh, discriminatory verdict, this verdict of discrimination. And um, I think, I don't know. I mean, it was, I, I think it was pretty clear. The other thing that happened is it was done no, it was in, cool. in relative secrecy. I'm right. Not, she had, she, uh, nobody knew about it until... Right. Weeder Gardner had not consulted with the council. She did not make it public she, after she signed this document, which was obviously a public document that is subject to disclosure under the public records law, but uh, she did not make it public. It looks like it was all done in secret and it was trying to be snuck through. DeSorger uh, apparently found it on, on the desk when she which, used, I, was, which I can't imagine. If you're going to do something like this, uh, you've got to make it public and uh, and be upfront about it and say what you did and why you did it. Uh, and it, what it looks like is that the mayor did not want that public before the election because it would have hurt her in the election, uh, which turns out could not have gone worse for her than it did. So I, answering your big picture question, what can police departments learn about all this tumult in Greenfield? And not that there hasn't been tumult in Holyoke and problems in Northampton, and which was a fairly well-led department. But it, it's just, um, I think, as far as you can take a police department in terms of transparency, in terms of reaching out, in terms of building trust, and I had a conversation with Todd uh, Dodge, his, the new chief, yesterday on his first full day on the job. And new chief or new acting chief? New acting chief, forgive me. Um, and that's what he said. He said he wants to find a way to be as open, responsive, and transparent. He wants to rebuild the trust that he knows. He said the police department has lost, and that's his goal under his new administration. So we wish him the best, and we all hope, hey, we all hope to learn from um, the mistakes that were made uh, in Greenfield. We'll be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 